It's the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood, the only Baltimore podcast that featured two hosts at the Two Friends concert on Saturday. I think we have to start out with a shout out to Two Friends and their entertainment value on Saturday Black. We've been trying to get them on the show. I think we're going to get them eventually, maybe. But yeah, we've man, been were they getting to book them like at the right time and it just hasn't worked out because we just we are soldiers. We are yes, soldiers in the last army. second. Did you guys yeah. like write on your phones and hold it up like podcast question mark and like? No, we've, we've I don't talked know. In, internally. You know, we've talked, had some discussions behind closed doors. Maybe get a little uh, two tickets to paradise on the on Big Booty Twenty One on the That'd Big Booty. Maybe maybe be... maybe get an exit to uh, as one of like the the voice drops. Just mm. the Exit Two podcast, and then it just so it's you're just saying banger. you. Just you want to be on there. Yeah, I guess that's true. Okay. That would just be me. I don't know how to incorporate all three of our voices. There's nothing like we all say, I guess. We don't have like a catchphrase to like throw on there that all three of us say. Um, but they were tremendous. The opposite of the Washington Wizards who were absolutely putrid. We saw them right before. Hashtag was... bring back the bullets. And now Bradley Beal's out for the year. We don't talk about the Wizards on the show, but we obviously, you know, talked about the name last week. Oh, what a franchise. What a franchise right now. So they can either pay him $240 million this offseason or he walks in, they get nothing. And it's funny because it looked like they were potentially going to trade him. Like he was very rumored to go to Philly for Ben Simmons as like one of the potential Ben Simmons destinations or obviously somewhere else. Um, seems like the NBA trade deadline would be kind of wild based on what happened today with Indiana and uh, Sacramento. But he's staying put, baby. No one's trading for him now. Maybe that's why uh, Indiana made that trade with Sac. Because remember, they were ta- they were rumored to be willing to trade um, Sabonis to the Wizards. Yeah, maybe Indiana's they got word, and, they were, and the Wizards were like, "We don't want, we're, we can't do this anymore." I thought they weren't going to get to seventy on Saturday. It was that bad. It was that bad. So I think I saw it was the lowest they'd scored it since like twenty seventeen, like the lowest total points. It was a disgusting brand of basketball, but they started out so well. They were such a good story at the beginning of the year. Yeah, they were fun. It was like, oh, this could be a fun little. You can do something here. Like, now it's, now nope. it's kind of falling apart. But at least two friends was good. Shout out to them. Church tremendous. And always great with the fans. They're just comp. They're retweeting. They're liking our tweets. They're, they're the best. So shout out to two friends. Uh, let's talk Ravens. We talked last week about John Harbaugh's press conference. That was sort of the, the big story and, and what came out of that. We, we touched on all those points. With the knowledge that Eric DaCosta was then going to talk a couple days later at his own postseason media availability, I guess you could say, sort of in those two press conferences, along with the defensive coordinator hire, kind of setting the stage for the offseason. I think the biggest takeaway from the Tacosta press conference is him being a little more noncommittal on the timing of a Lamar Jackson extension, the nature of a Lamar Jackson extension than Harbaugh was, which I don't know what that indicates. I guess that's why we, you know, don't get paid to do this podcast and speculate about it. But he he's kind of the, the, the biggest takeaway quote was, you know, we're doing this on Lamar's time we're negotiating the Lamar's contract timeline. What do you guys feel like that says about the state of the negotiations? Um, I, I mean, I think he's, he's sending some messages through the media. Um, when he says they're going at Lamar's pace, it's, they're not close to a deal. I'm not speculating on that. I know that it's been that way for a while. Um, it's it's true that it is an unusual negotiation for, for the reasons you said. He doesn't have an agent. Um, it's believed that his mother is the agent. It's I don't know. It's hard to really say. Um, but I, I 
think the team feels very strongly that he should get an agent. I think a lot of people around the team, um, people who understand and know the situation feel that same way. Um, and so I think they're trying to just put the ball in Lamar's court and, and have him, I don't know, come to the table maybe with a little more um, deliberance. I, I don't know. I, I think that they want him to get an agent. I think that's, that's really what the situation is at hand because there's things that um, are maybe outside of just, you know, dollar bills on a check that they want to talk about. And, and, um, it's a lot easier to have that kind of conversation when there's a go between to kind of massage the conversation to mediate and just kind of oversee it and manage the whole thing. So, um, I'm all for players, you know, going without an agent and negotiating their own deals when that situation is one that's, you know, best, but I, it, it seems to me that everyone who knows the situation at hand, um, feels that that's just not the case with this one. It's the, the, again, everything was very calculated. Every word, like, like you said, saying stuff to the media, it was like, you, you had to read in between the lines. Um, and again, I think we, we said it a couple weeks ago, like Lamar, Lamar coming out of college and having his mom be his agent. It's a fun story. It's, it's a cute story. Like, Oh, look at this. And, and it's all, that's all fine and dandy when you're coming out of college and your contract and salary are basically set. You, you, you were drafted here, you're making this much. Now, when you win a, a unanimous MVP, when you've done the things Lamar does, like you said, Banks, like there's, there's big dollar signs. There's a lot of commas. There's a lot of zeros. Like you need someone professionally who knows what they're doing. And Lamar doesn't have that. I can only imagine how frustrated you know, DaCosta, um, Bashadi, Harbaugh, all those guys are trying to figure this out because again, it's like he's 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 an unbelievable player. And they they am sure they're gonna want him here, but it's kind of hard to talk to someone who doesn't know what they're doing. And it's no offense to Lamar or his mom, but they're 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 just not meant to negotiate contracts like this. Like Drew Rosenhaus and Scott Boris and guys like that are the best in the business for a reason. Like leave it up to them. They I mean it's, it's literally their job. Lamar's job is to play football. It's not to try and negotiate a contract, you know? And again, now it's like, we're getting to the point where it's, you, you got to do something soon because his deal is up soon. And it's, and again, I mean, like you said, they're working at his pace. It, it he was saying that for a reason. And, 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 you know, like, like, I don't know if you said it worded it like this, but yeah, they're putting the ball in his court pretty much. And what did, what did DeCosta say? They've talked five or six times in the last year. It's like, well, you would kind of hope that that at this point they would have pretty good terms and conditions down. It's just like, yeah, we just, we just need to meet one more time, get him to sign it and, and we're good to go. But it, again, from, from the, that, from the press conference to take away, wasn't very optimistic. It, it seemed like it's kind of like, yep, we're kind of just waiting on him. Balls in his court, kind of just twiddling our thumbs sitting here. Yeah. I, I think that, what a shocking DNF here from Michaela Schiffer in the slot. I don't know if people are watching the Olympics here, but whew, that's not going well for the NBC Golden Girl. Tough scene. Uh, to Lamar Jackson, I, I think everything you guys said is, is, is pretty spot on based on the information we have. And I think the bottom line is, you know, when we talked about this after last year, going into this year, it felt like the Lamar Jackson was 
extension was an obvious foregone conclusion in the sense that no doubt you're going to lock up the MVP. You're going to, you know, do all the, you know, just the way this stuff goes with a quarterback, like how Josh Allen has gone and Pat Mahomes and things like that. But as you said, the lack of a seeming, you know, team around him that kind of has his best interest. Um, and maybe they, there is with his mom, maybe there, there are advisors. I'm sure that there are, but it seems like there's some sort of disconnect to why this hasn't already gotten done. I mean, I, and I, I think I said this on a show a couple of weeks ago, like for the Ravens, you want to get this done because this is all of your future plans, right? Like the amount of cap space he takes up, the amount you're paying him, this is going to determine how you construct your roster a lot moving forward because of how much you're going to invest in this guy. And I, I, I think, you know, you, you got savvy as, as at the top of Eric DeCosta starting with him, a savvy group of people in that front office you know, they want to, they want to negotiate a, a contract that they feel like is fair for both sides. And if they're not, if they only come to the table five or six times, just feel like there should be more discussions than that. There's just, it just weird vibes around this entire situation in the sense that you just would think this would be getting done. And that's with me knowing absolutely no information about anything. You just like, this just, this stuff just gets done. It's like Josh Allen just got done. Pat Mahomes just got done. This one is like dragging out through the media where, Ravens, people in high positions, the Ravens are talking. Lamar is not saying anything. And you would think the next time he gets in front of a microphone in an official situation, it's going to be very interesting what he says. Um, and I don't know what situation that's going to be in. You got to think people are trying to talk to him because at this point, with two, you know, with Harbaugh saying what he said and then a little bit of a different spin on it from DaCosta, it's now in Lamar Jackson's court to see how he plays this publicly um, and, you know, what it looks like because I, I just, with each passing day, it gets weird that this hasn't gotten done. And I've thought that since last year, I, I would have thought this would have gotten done last year. Like you, you, you know, this is your guy. You, you have a total understanding that this is going to be your future and it didn't get done going into the season. Uh, I'll be interested to see how long it drags out. Cause if you're Lamar, you also then go to potentially go to train camp. You want an extension. Like you don't want to go in as a lame duck and have the potential to get hurt again and then hurt your value again. So, I mean, he really should have gotten Brissick done it at the beginning of this year because now, now the injury thing comes back into play and like, can he stay healthy for an entire season? Blah 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 blah. Very fast. It's a very fascinating situation and one that you know isn't going to be the top of every NFL fan's mind, but I think it has to be the top of every Ravens fan's mind. Um, and you know, maybe in a month it'll get done or two months it'll just get done and we'll have to forget about this. But it's weird to me that it wasn't a definitive like. Yeah, we're getting this done. Like, this is a, just a matter of time. You know, everyone needs to, you know, calm down about this. Like, this is, you know, we're, we have – it was just – it just was not that. So, that I find that interesting. The fact that it – the fact that it was anything but that is, I think, should be an interesting – is an interesting uh, situation. And, like, you, I just go back and I think of the deals that, like, Mahomes signed and, and Allen signed. It was like they didn't even – I don't think they let it get close to this point, like, in the – in, you know – how long they had until the deal was up. They were just like, Hey, we're going to get this done. We're going to get it done now. And again, that's probably one of the pros of having an agent being like, yes, we want to get this done as soon as possible to maximize the amount of money we can make. And it'll benefit both parties. Whereas the Ravens, again, it's kind of like, it seemed like they're kind of just kicking the can down the road, not the Ravens, but this whole situation is kind of just kicking the can down the road. Like last year. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to get it done. You know, don't, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll get it done. And now it's kind of like, all right, well, we're, we're coming up on it. And 
it doesn't seem like much has been done. So got kind of got to figure something out. Yeah. I mean, you look at the way the, the end of the season played out, Lamar was, was hurt. Um, if he has a long-term contract locked up, maybe the rehab goes a little different. Maybe, you know, he doesn't shut it down so early. So um, I'm sure that some people think that if he had locked up the deal last off season, that maybe that, that whole situation plays out differently. So I don't know. Uh, it, it, it would have been best for all parties to have locked something up last year. Um, that didn't happen. Um, now they're at a weird crossroads where who knows what's going to happen. So I think everybody should be prepared for anything. So, cause isn't he's up after this upcoming year, right? The, yeah. They can his, franchise tag him. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think, I think I Googled it last week. It's like 20. I mean, it's, it's reasonable. It's fine. It's not, it's not 40, you know, like the, the original number that was thrown out there. I think it's like mid twenties or something like that. Well, because what's it? What his his salary for this year is like twenty three million or something. It's twenty three million, a very manageable yeah. number. And Eric DeCosta yeah, said as much. Hundred. That number goes up when it becomes a franchise tag number, um, which is subject to whatever numbers come out between now and then. But um, it's I think they're kind of putting the ball in his court where they're saying like, hey, like if you want to be here long term, come to the table. We'll talk about it. And if you don't, we can string it along and do these one-year deals and, you know, who knows what can happen. So. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it, it moves forward at this point. Um, and, and what, like I said, I think it's now going to be interesting what Lamar Jackson says the next time he talks um, and whether he's like, yeah, you know, we're, we're going to figure it out, blah, 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 blah. Or whether he's similarly noncommittal, like, um, like DaCosta. Not that DaCosta was just trying to knock the middle. He was just, as you said, he was like, you know, we're just not as it, – it made it seem like they're not as close as maybe people thought that they were. And what do you think the next time we'll hear him talk? Any any of the mini I have no idea. That's the, that's the weird thing. Like, here's the exact quote from DaCosta, just so he's on the record here. People didn't see it. Lamar and I have probably had five or six conversations at different points in the last year in regard to his contract. At this point, I would say that we're working at Lamar's pace. He's comfortable with where we are right now. I think he feels we have a lot of unfinished business. He has a lot of unfinished business. He wants to win the division. He wants to win the Super Bowl. I think he and I both share that same vision. That's basically where we stand. There's a great line of communication. I know that Lamar knows that he can come up and see me at any point. Call me at any point. We actually talked this week. He can text me at any point. We'll operate based on his urgency. That's basically where we stand. I mean, that is very much what Banks said. Like, come talk to me. Figure this out with me. Not, I'm going to you. So I think that's a spot on interpretation of that. Um, that he also said they have other things they need to focus on, blah, 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 blah. Um, there's a lot of upside with our offense. Lamar's a big part of that. He's the right person to do it. He's a leader. He's beloved. He's a phenomenally talented player that makes us better. As far as a fifth-year option, listen, we have cap room. We have the ability to take on that amount based on who Lamar is and what he has to offer. That's not a huge ticket for a quarterback with the ability and personality of what he brings to the table. There you go. So we'll see how it progresses. But those are Eric DeCosta's quotes in full. Um, a couple other things that came out of it. Um, they're picking up Hollywood Brown's fifth year option. Pretty much done and dusted from the Costa. I think that's the right move. I think we would all agree. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things you got to do at this point. Um, it's, you know, it's a fair price. He's calling it a bargain. 
maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but it's it's not out of line or anything. He's he's the best receiver we've drafted since Torrey Smith, at least. He's probably he's probably produced more than him. So, despite all the frustrations and such. Yeah, I mean, again, that's a guy that you drafted to be your number one. I think he at times we saw him play like a number one last year. I think obviously it drops, and I don't think he scored a touchdown the last like nine weeks. I think it was ten weeks, something like that. But I mean, I, they're they're a better team with him than without him. I, I think it's a no brainer to you know get that get that fifth year. Yeah, I think it, I think it makes sense, and we'll see if he continues to progress. Um, Sounds like Marcus Peters is going to be back for some of the speculation that the Ravens could part with him. Um, and there wasn't really a ton of other things. I think Eric Dacosta is a pretty like business as usual move throughout the offseason, as he always does kind of guy. And I don't think he said anything that would deter from that thought, which is kind of what we said. The Ravens will sign some of their guys. They probably won't make huge splashes in free agency. And Lamar Jackson's extension will probably dominate the conversation as we head into the offseason. And we'll see what they do in the draft. His videos from the uh, Senior Bowl did crack me up. How like? Yeah, they have him doing. Uh, they, they have him doing these like selfie videos, which yeah, I think is very they're interesting. So, they're so funny. Like yeah. I can't imagine any other like GMs really doing that. We're like, it's, what he's he's like? Yeah, I went down to Alabama, had the cra- crab cakes. He's like, they were okay. Maryland, Maryland's crab cakes, a first round talent. Just like I don't. I was just I was cracking up at those. I I thought they were very well done. I think that it's kind of cool that he's willing to like give the access and bring you right into like what he's thinking um, and just stick the phone. I, you don't see a lot of his, as you say, you don't see, you see some coaches every once in a while do some things like that. Do not see a lot of executives do it. And that kind of speaks to the continued trust. I think by doing that, he builds up with the fan base. I don't know if you guys have the Olympics on. This is one of the more bizarre. Michaela Schiffer fell in the slalom and is just sitting next to the course watching the other people go. Tom, Stanley Cup champion, Tom Wilson just tied the game, so. I got that. I, sw- I switched from the Caps game. I couldn't, I couldn't watch anymore. Mm, this is, I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching snowboarding, so. Oh, I got to get, I mean, this is one of the more wild things I've seen. Um, but that's pretty bad. I mean, DaCosta and, and Harbaugh's were pretty in lockstep except for the Lamar thing, and that's why obviously that's the big topic of the conversation. Um, that came out of that, and we'll see where it goes from here. But that's other. The only other Ravens thing that happened this week was um, was Zach Gore coming back as linebackers inside linebackers coach. Great for him. Could have had a unfortunately career got cut short due to injury. Good to have him back in Baltimore. And then what a Pro Bowl performance for Mark Andrews that I'm sure everybody watched. Just incredible. I saw I saw people upset that he didn't get the MVP. Uh, the NFL put up a tweet that was like, "Look at Mark Andrews." chemistry with justin herbert it's like with an eyes emoji it's like what does that mean <laughs> okay I'm those sure guys are absolutely locked up on their own teams nobody <laughs> over exaggerated to that tweet i'm sure yeah. nobody did yeah i'm sure no one freaked out about that um so good but good for mark andrews good for mark andrews having a um, pro bowl performance marlin was hopping around la and and vegas too i don't know if you guys were following that at all a little bit i saw marlin was at the nhl all-star game he was at the All-Star game. He didn't know who Machine Gun Kelly was. He didn't know any songs he sang. I think he said, like, I thought this guy was in, was like a rapper. He was he was putting it all out there. And then, yeah, and then, like, I look up and, and Marlon's sitting, like, courtside at the Lakers game with his freshly shaven head. So he's going through the full offseason, like, gauntlet right now. 
Yeah, he uh, he he had a Terps lacrosse ring at one point on in his Instagram story. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it was like a late night. It was. I don't. He is a he is a mysterious man. I don't know. He's into NFTs. He's talking to Cameron Jordan on Twitter about getting into NFTs at the practices and all that. I know he was interviewing Judon. Um, I'm sure the Ravens got some content out of him when when he was out there. I mean. They'd be silly not to with with the way that he he handles a microphone. So, you yeah, he don't know uh, what that guy's gonna do. You what he's gonna do? Yeah. Well, hopefully for the Ravens' sake, he's back on the field playing good football um, next year. Big the, the the I mean, obviously the big football story of the week. I don't know if you guys heard the Super Bowls on Sunday. So uh, let's get to the starting five draft presented by Fed Thrill. Um, it's starting to get a little warmer. It's been cold for a while. It's starting to get a little warmer. We're starting to get that hint of more sunshine. And, um, uh-oh, that was a bad reaction. Oh, no. This team, team is so frustrating to watch these days. Oh, no, the Caps, the Caps. Why well, I turned what? it. I can't – I couldn't – They lost? Either they're very likely to lose now. Mm, there it is. Um, Fed Thrill, 20% off. Use the promo code XP2. Um, buy your sunglasses and get ready for as the uh, the sun starts to show its face a little bit more and we start to get a little more. Make sure to do that. With the Super Bowl in mind, going to be a shocker. We're going to draft Super Bowls, our favorite Super Bowls, best Super Bowl games, whatever we're feeling. Um, we've done a Super Bowl draft way back in the early stages of the x 2 podcast. So you can go back to listen to that if you want to hear our takes on logos and halftime shows and cities and all these other – I don't even remember what the five categories were. Was that time. our first one? No, our first one was cities you want to travel to for a Ravens game, I believe, was our first one. <laughs> Something right. like that, yeah. That's what I have on the list. It was one uh, of our first ones, though. Yeah, I, I knew it was. It I, was, it was I think it was second. Um, yeah, it was snack, MVP, halftime show, bar, and logo. So, RDT, you took Wayward as your bar. How about that? Yeah, because all the other bars that I'd ever been to were taken. That's right. Oh. Oh, we were sort of doing around the city. That's right. Um, all right, RDT, you have the first pick. I have the second pick. Banks, you uh, come back around at number three. So take it away. Excuse me. Excuse me. Fed Thrill, starting five draft. Super Bowls. All righty. Um, I will take – I'll take Super Bowl 43. Down in Tampa, Steelers, Cardinals, 27-23 Steelers. The Antonio, um, not who was it? Um, uh, San Antonio Holmes, toe tap in the corner of the end zone. Uh, it's not a very fun list when your team has never won a Super Bowl. So <laughs> I'm just going off like, oh, I had fun at that party. I ate, we brought 240 wings to that party and we left with like none. Um, and the game itself was awesome. Uh, I actually rewatched it. It was on NFL Network. One of the weeks, one of the days following John Madden's death, because that was the last game he called. So they were reshowing it. Called for NBC, yeah. And I mean, like the I I caught it with like a minute left in the first half, so I knew that the James Harrison pick was coming. But like that play was unbelievable to watch. Um, Larry Fitz taking that that pass, like that slant down the middle with I that I that must have been with like six or five minutes left, like him taking that to the house, just that whole back and forth and like Ben's drive to to get him in, into position and then that throw and catch was unbelievable. Um that was one of the and that was a Super Bowl that I really didn't care who won. Um the Steelers had beat the Titans earlier in that playoffs. So maybe I was rooting for the Cardinals. Um but that was just one of the more 
just very fun back and forth. Like, holy shit, I can't believe this is this this game is is going like this. Um, and I don't think anyone really expected the Cardinals to be there that year. Like they were just one of the fun teams to watch. Um, yeah, Fitzgerald was- almost just dragged them to the Super Bowl, and yeah. I wanted him to win so bad. And- I remember really wanting him to win. Mm-hmm. And I think Bolden Bolden was young on that team. Um, was that his rookie year? Two thousand nine? No, maybe. No, he no, no it, wasn't. it definitely wasn't. No, yeah, because they they had the old school uniforms. Um, that year, his rookie year. But um, yeah, I don't, that that was just that was a very fun game to watch. And again, just being like, oh, whatever, who wins? Doesn't matter who wins. Uh, that was a fun one. That's a good bet. A lot of people consider like the best modern Super Bowl ever. Um, that's I, a very, very good one. This is heartbreaking every time I watch that replay, trying to figure out a way that James Harrison didn't get in the end zone there. And like Polamalu, like, or not Polamalu, like Fitzgerald sprinting up through the sideline. Like if you, if you yeah, had trying to weave his did, way there. Yeah. And he, and he was, I mean, if the, if the field's 101 yards long, he, he tackles it. It's probably Mike Tomlin like, in his way or something. He could have been. You never know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm between the two, I think, obvious ones that I think me and Banks are potentially going to go with here. I would assume Banks will pick the other one of the one I don't pick. Um, but I'm going to pick Super Bowl XXXV, Ravens, first Super Bowl in franchise history. First Super Bowl I ever watched my team win. Pretty self-explanatory there. It was awesome. Yeah, no defensive points allowed. Just pretty, so pretty, just so crushing that they gave up that special teams touchdown. Yeah, it's awesome. The the good part about the special team touchdown is because Jermaine Lewis just ran it back right after. No one even remembers Ron Dixon's touchdown. But um, yeah, it could have been just a straight up shutout, which would have been awesome for the best defensive man of the league. Um, great halftime show as well. The NSYNC, Aerosmith, Nelly, Britney Spears, Mary J. Blige was uh with the um the intro with like adam sandler and chris rock and all these guys very fun good stuff also do you remember what what else happened at halftime i'm trying to i'm trying to confirm which song it was the backstreet boys on on mtv were they they debuted one of their songs on they MTV did a um they did halftime the- they, I believe, did the national anthem, maybe back. But I, th- I think that. So I'm also reading here. The boy band was yeah, 2001. Nick Carter reveals Baxter Boys turned down 2001 Super Bowl game in Tampa. While in sync, they Brittany did do the na- they did do the national anthem. But I think that MTV they were debuting one of their songs, music videos at halftime, and that's when it was like the battle of the boy bands it was like in sync or, or. Backstreet Boys, and it's like yeah. you got you got in sync performing with Aerosmith and Britney Spears, and then you had like Carson Daly on on MTV being like, "Here's Backstreet Boys." So I remember being at the Super Bowl party and the girls ma- flipping the the channel because they were all it was a Backstreet Boys house, they were strictly Backstreet Boys. So that was my takeaway from that Super Bowl. Game. There was an HD and an SD separate broadcasts from CBS, which I did not realize. I also just realized that could have taken one of the Super Bowls and really fucked you guys. <laughs> ah, but that would have been, I mean, that would have just been against the spirit of the draft. Go ahead, Banks. They, they, um, they also uh, debuted, I forget what they, did they call it iVision at the time? It was like the first iteration of. Yeah, with the 360, it was like, like they were like, this is technology used in the Matrix. So before, like it was so before its time. It was also horrible at the time. 
which is why it disappeared for 10 years before it came back. But uh, still, it was just kind of wild that they tried. And it actually made a difference. They used it, I believe, on the review of the Jamal Lewis rushing touchdown. <laughs> and yeah. like confirmed that he was in. And then we didn't see it again. And now the Ravens just have that in M&T Bank Stadium. They just have that technology in there, or the upgraded version of it. Um, so, yeah. Right. Uh, uh, can you guys guess the line of that game? Thanks. You may just know it, but the the spread betting line spread. Yeah, I think it was a pickup. It was it was pretty close. Ravens by three. Okay. A lot of people made a lot of money that day, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Super Bowl forty seven. I'm just going to take it outright. Um, I was going to take that. Well before 35, I mean, 35 obviously holds a lot of importance to us Ravens fans, but the game, I mean, the game was a dud. It, it was, game. It's routinely ranked in the bottom five Super Bowls of all time. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a horrible game. It's a, it, That wouldn't be close to the board without the person. Super Bowl 47 is an, is an elite game. And honestly, some of the lists I saw probably had a rank too low. Um, I mean, it came right down to the wire, the frantic comeback. He had the whole lights out situation, of course, that was incredibly dramatic. He had a special teams touchdown. He had Ned Reed interception. Um, obviously, Flacco going off. Bolden coming down with big plays down the stretch. People forget Justin Tucker kicked a field goal to push it to a five-point lead um, before they ended up taking the intentional safety. That was in the last minute or so. It was 34-29 when Kaepernick drove down the field, which is why the field goal wasn't an option at the time. Um, Jimmy Smith came up with a, a couple big plays there. So um, just Michael Crabtree on the wrong side of a big play yet again. It's great. Who was the offensive coordinator for the Niners? That was Greg Roman. Oh, that's Yeah. So I saw I off. saw on the anniversary of it last week, I saw someone tweeting like the only time Greg Roman will ever bring a Super Bowl to Baltimore. And it was just that highlight. It's like oh. people just hate Greg Roman. And I God, did. Man. I got I got a chuckle out of it. It was good. Feel bad for the guy. <laughs> uh, Banks, you got another one. Um I'm gonna take Super Bowl 42. That is the the, the Patriots losing the undefeated season. The Giants, uh, Plasco Burris with the big touchdown. Honestly, not a lot of notable moments in that game otherwise. Um, but just in terms of the, the football significance of that game and the upset that was, uh, Giants were 13-point dogs. Um, yeah, I just – there's obviously Tom Brady and the Patriots accomplished so much but they just the level of insufferableness if they had accomplished that would have been that much worse. It's a good pick. That was awesome watching them lose. And that was a it was a it was a fun story with Strahan and Eli and everything that happened there. It's a good pick. Helmet catch. The helmet catch. I mean, that is, I mean, the helmet catch is an unbelievable moment. Because that was, I mean, that was the game where it was like, we're going to get a billion points in this game. Like that offense, like the Giants can't stop that offense. There's no way they can stop Randy Moss. There's yeah, no they way smoked they smoked them in like week 17, I think. 
Yeah, yeah. To, to was it week seventeen? It was. I think it was week yeah, seventeen. Moss caught, like, Ma- Moss caught like yeah, yeah. I think it was like a Thursday night game on NFL Network or something. Moss caught like two or Saturday night game. I Moss think it was a like Saturday night long, game. Caught like I think, two, I think it was definitely right. on NFL Network. Caught like two long touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, I am going to take. Um, I'm going to take Eagles over Patriots. Nick Foles, Philly special. Another Patriots loss. That was fun to savor. Um, and that was a really good game. A really high-scoring 41-33. Um, yep. And another one where I think people gave the Eagles a chance, but I think that – I think most the, – the just people were like, well, Nick Foles can't beat Tom Brady. That can't happen. Good for Nick Foles. Big Dick Nick. Got it done. I'm taking that one. Yeah, the Eagles were your quintessential team that, like, is on a run and you just can feel they're on a run and it just feels like this is just this is their year. They just throughout that playoffs, mm-hmm. they played a close one against the Falcons, I think, that year. They played – got some breaks against Minnesota. Like, uh, Torrey Smith caught that one pass. I was They, they also played something. Minnesota after the Minnesota Miracle, which is like – I mean, I don't even yeah. know how the Minnesota could even, like, come back the next week and – Figured out how to get that done on the road. So they just seem to have the juju. Um, great game, though, for sure. Really good game. Um, and we were at Caps and Ice before that, if you remember. remember. Yeah, and then I watched it at Doss. Yeah. Um, Knights did win. RDTF2. I will go 49, uh, New England 28, Seattle 24. The Malcolm Butler pick. Um, that was another game that was on recently after Brady announced his retirement. They they had it on NFL Network and just watching that. Do you remember like dude on Seattle? I forget his name. Cornerback like picked off Brady like very early in the first quarter and like fell and snapped his arm like in half. It was like a one of those very gruesome injuries. Um, I'll never forget seeing that. It was very gross. Um, and then again, just like that whole. I mean, the whole second half was awesome. The um, there there was the back and forth plays. I forget who it was. Was it Richardson on Seattle who had that like diving, that catch on the on his back, and the ball was up, and it looked like it was incomplete. Like Edelman with a, a touchdown catch late. The whole back and forth was awesome. Obviously, they get down there with the with the Marshawn Lynch, and you're like, oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna run it in. This is this is this is gonna be easy. They're gonna score. How much time are they gonna leave Brady? The pick happens, and and obviously, like on NFL Network, these kind of behind the scenes looks at the game where they have guys on the sideline mic'd up for it. Like they had the Cardinals mic'd up for it, and it was or not the Cardinals, the Seahawks, and they just, I mean, I've never seen the wind taken out of sales so quick. And obviously, it's a Super Bowl losing play. Brady's like scream is one of the more like his shriek almost his like high pitched girlish shriek um, was one of the funnier parts. But that that was just a great Super Bowl that that whole back and forth. Um, and a close one again. Um, and I'm going to kind of stick with, with this, the Patriots theme um, 51, new England, 34, Atlanta, 28. It was just, I don't know if more people were happy that Brady was winning another one. Cause again, I think people like to see Brady. They were okay with Brady winning or the like Atlanta meltdown. That, that was a tradition until this year, the 28 to three memes will live forever. Um, I'll always see that scoreboard that that like the score this the score bug 
Like I'll never forget that the colors, how it looks, everything like that. Um, it's just so iconic. And that, that game was so like, Oh, they're not going to come back. There's no way they're going to come back. Like, Oh, new, um, Atlanta misses an extra point. It's like, Oh, they're not, or I think it was someone missed an extra point. It was like, Oh, that may come back to bite them. Um, but just the Edelman catch is like an all-time catch in that game. First Super Bowl to go to overtime. Um, Julio Jones made the best catch in that game. That, that catch was unbelievable. That catch and Julio it, Jones made was unbelievable. It, that's up there with the, the Rajay Davis home run, the, the UNC shot in the NCAA finals as plays that should go down as all-time plays and will not get talked about for how good they were. Like that's, that, it's, uh, an, the, it's arguably the, the greatest catch in What's history. his face in left field and, at Shea Stadium? Oh, um, oh, Andy Chavez, former Oriole. Yeah. yeah. Like th- th- those plays will never get talked. They, they should get talked about more. And they're, they're all time great plays. That, that Julio catch is just like, holy shit. How does he do that? And it just doesn't get brought up because Kyle Shanahan absolutely pisses his pants in the fourth quarter of, of close games. And we saw it this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that game was like an all time water cooler game the next day at the office too, where you're like, oh. I turned the game off. I I left the party. Like I thought it was over. You had stories from everyone just being like, I've, I threw out my betting receipt. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it's great. I mean, it's the greatest, greatest comeback in, in Super Bowl history and sports history. My roommate was at the time was a Falcons fan. And I went to his house, like his parents' (laughs) house for the Super Bowl that year. Um, He drove. So when we drove back to our place, it was just like, that was the most uncomfortable car ride I've ever had in my life. And, and it was after the, the game had ended, right? Like it wasn't. Oh, of course. Yeah. No, after that loss there, like, especially like at halftime, we were like dinner was served at halftime and we were just getting into the food and, and the, the, they were up big and it was just, man, what a, what a turn of events that was. I mean, that's gotta be, I mean, that's one of the all-time brutal losses. Was that Matt Ryan's <laughs> MVP season too? Yeah. Yeah. I remember, yeah. so I, I remember tweeting being like the Flacco versus Ryan conversation is officially dead. It's done. Like Matt Ryan has a Super Bowl. He's going to have a Super Bowl MVP. He's going to have the regular season MVP. Like this isn't a conversation. We have to stop this. And then <laughs> like a tidal wave. The, the, the it's interesting. I think Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford are sort of comparable. I think Matt Ryan right now has a much better case to make the Hall of Fame. He's probably going to make the Hall of Fame. But if he wins that Super Bowl, he's definitely in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what the standard for quarterbacks is anymore with the new with the passing yards and all that stuff. He's a five-time Pro Bowl, first an All-Pro MVP. He will probably make the Hall of Fame regardless because he's just going to keep playing and has huge stats. But like, if he wins that game and wins Super Bowl MVP, it's no doubt. He's in. Stafford is playing for the same thing this weekend. Like If he wins this weekend and wins the MVP – that gives him a much better chance to win to go to the Hall of Fame. I think it's like those two guys' careers are super interesting because Ryan has been on what's been a better run franchise than Stafford was on the Lions, but those guys have been like very good guys you could rely on in fantasy, <laughs> but they not rely on every too, week, not rely on them too much. They play every week. They have really big years. You know, people like them, but like, do they feel like Hall of Fame quarterbacks? Like, yes and no. Um, so. That's I, that's I think the most interesting storyline. That big legacy game for Stafford this weekend. I've I've um, always I've said for a while I thought Stafford was going to get in because when he retires, like and like you said, the, just the way the game is, he's going to be like top five, maybe top four in a lot of passing category, passing yards, touchdowns, completions, stuff like that. For the reasons you said, he's stayed healthy. 
he's not, he hasn't stayed healthy. He's, he's got the shit beat out of him, but he doesn't miss games. He just but, throws up crazy stats. What's crazy about that is like Ryan has better stats. Like, and he's played what he's got, a couple. He's he's thirty six. Stafford's thirty three. Something like that. Yeah. But like Ryan probably going to get in. It's just like if you, a Super Bowl win over Tom Brady MVP. He just is seen in such a different light than his career. And it was also like there was a point where you were like the Patriots are getting embarrassed. Like Matt Ryan is absolutely giving it to Belichick in a way that like you had rarely seen before. Like the Ravens had beaten them a couple times up until that point, but not like an ass kicking like that, where you're like, holy shit, Brady's throwing pick sixes, like lying face down in the dirt. Like this is, this is embarrassing. And I, I'm sure people had a lot of articles written. Like, is this the end? Belichick can't do it anymore. Tom Brady's washed. And, and like they had, though they had to delete those super quick, probably. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get this over with. I'm taking Titans Rams. I think it's Rams. Yeah, I'm I want to take it sooner. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's got one of the iconic finishes in the history of the game. History of the Super Bowl. Can you, uh, RDT, do you want to describe the end for the listeners? Or Yeah, just if the field was 99 yards. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great way to say it. Kevin Dyson play. Um, also, you know, Kurt Warner, Steve McNair, sort of like two of the defining quarterbacks of the air. Kurt Warner with the greatest show on turf and then just the way McNair played the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like two franchises that aren't like, you know, it's sort of a game between two non-glamour franchises, um, which is always kind of fun. So I'm taking that one. Very, very good Super Bowl early in the, um, tw- you know, 20 years ago now. God, more than 20 years ago. Now, 20, so. yeah, I think it was 20 years ago, like a couple. I'm, I was, I was waiting waiting it was like 20 years ago a couple days ago and i was waiting for the tweet to come from the exit 52 account and it just never came i don't you know editor nice job by the intern to not go after you yeah i mean that's just that's just people being good people (laughs) that's all that is um thanks you finish your oh no you don't finish your draft. no i don't um i'm gonna take i'm gonna take super bowl 25 it's a scout norwood miss it's the first of the bills four super bowls that they lost um it's the only field goal miss to lose the super bowl um just one of the moments where i, w- I think we've done this draft before and i don't think this got picked but would have been a tremendous moment on twitter um just the videos, the reaction videos that would have come out from that would have been incredible. Um, not to say that the, the, the Buffalo Bills faithful are, are the type of people I want to see suffering in that way, but um, it, it just would have been incredible content. The Giants were the – I don't even think people remember who won the game, but it was the Giants. The Giants won that Super Bowl. It was Parcells' second Super Bowl in five years. Um, and the Bills would be back in the Super Bowl for the next three years, and they would come up short every year too. So – um tough but a lot of drama you don't really see games end on missed field goals a lot lately because they make all the field goals i know you just don't see it it's kind of crazy yeah yeah kind of nuts it's very nuts And then I'm going to take this is this is just a different type of pick than I think anything else that's been taken so far. But I'm going to take Super Bowl three. It's just, it's just the reason Super Bowls exist. If Joe Namath doesn't go out there and yes, beat the Baltimore Colts, um, the NFL as as we know it fails to exist. So um, not necessarily the result, 
or the teams that I would like to win the Super Bowl in that scenario, but um, for what its impact on on the game of football and the NFL as we know it, like it's it simply has to be picked. Yeah, I mean it's it's so true. It's the it's the most important game in the history of football. Just this. Yep. Got to be taken in this draft. Um, football is not what it is today without Super Bowl three. Okay. Um, let me take a peek back at the board here. Ba, 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 ba. God, it's just amazing how many just Patriots Super Bowls there there are just involved here. Um, I am going to take – I think this is like <laughs> – I'm going to only take this because of one play because I don't remember watching this at all. I was alive, but I don't remember watching it at all. I'm going to take Broncos 31, Packers 24. The Elway spinning in midair play is just one of the, I feel like, iconic plays of our, like, childhood in terms of growing up. Like, that was on every highlight you saw that was, like, a compilation of major NFL highlights for, like, you know, the decade after that. And, you know, like, it was, like, the Super Bowl on Fox. It's just, like, L.A. spinning around. (laughs) So I'm going to take that. I don't remember the game that well, like I said was probably too young, but that Elway play is just iconic. So, um, and kind of defined his legacy as well. That was the, this one, this one's for John, right? This one's for John. And that was the uh, Terrell Davis uh, migraines game too, where he couldn't see. And he, and I think that's when uh, Elway was just like, run, you know, run to the a gap. And like, we're going to block for you. Just, just run. (laughs) Just we're on the, we're on the goal line. Just run. He was like, I can't see. And he's like, just run. We got it. Probably great, uh, great advertising for, for football safety. Yeah, that's that's good. That's good for the NFL. <laughs> freak out that was season. probably like, God damn it, John, why'd you fucking say that? We'll say it in a in a in an uh, interview. Um, RDT. I'm gonna go Super Bowl 38, New England 32, Carolina 29. That was a fun Super Bowl. Like those Panthers teams, Mushin Muhammad. Deshaun Foster was maybe one of my favorite running backs. Like came Jake out of DeLone. nowhere. Jake, Jake DeLone. Um, Steven Davis was on that team. Like they, they had some fun guys. I think, was that a Steve Smith? Oh yeah. A young yeah. Steve Smith. Yeah. That was like, yeah. that was his coming he up. He caught a touch, touchdown that game. He was, he was a monster. Those playoffs too. Um, that was a really fun game and, and the whole back and forth between them two. Um, obviously it ends with the Vinatieri kick. Um, but I just remember, like, I really like those Panthers teams, the Julius Peppers and all those guys. Um, and again, that, that was just, that was their sec third. No, that was their second of, of their first. Three. Yeah. That was the second. Yeah. Second one. So I, I, I don't know. I just, I just remember that game being like, oh man, like this, maybe this Brady guy is for real. Like he's done it. This is a second one. Maybe, maybe we got something here. And that's also when you were like, this Delome guy, he can sling it. He's going to be around for a while. Um, but no, I, I just, I just remember it was like a fat, it was obviously a close game came down to the last minute. Um, last second. I just, I really enjoyed that game. And again, I, I liked a lot of the guys on the, on those Carolina teams. They were, those Carolina teams were easy to root for um, just with all those names I said. So I will go them. And then I will go my last pick. Correct. Correct. Think so. Yep. Uh, Super Bowl twenty three, San Fran twenty, Cincinnati sixteen. Don't remember the game. It was the day I was born. Wow. wow. Yeah. And I actual, like that pick. Uh, Good pick. Born, you know, 
born on the Super Bowl, made my grandparents miss the Super Bowl driving down from Pittsburgh. Um, rumor has it my pap, my pap was not very happy. <laughs> I had the miss <laughs> the awesome. Super Bowl, but he's a Steeler fan, so uh, that's awesome. I I think that's the game where Montana was driving them down in the last minute and did the like famous like, oh look, there's John Candy sitting sitting in the end zone. That is where, the story from that. That's one, that yep. game. That's that's yep. the only thing I know about that Super Bowl. Yep. So, that was very featured in Joe Montana's Matt Christopher biography. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> I think that's big in the, the um, what is it, America's Game, when they, they highlight each one of those, like, how cool was Joe Montana under pressure? And then it's like Dwight Clark or like Jerry Rice being like, oh, yeah, there's John Candy. So that's all I got. December 22nd, January 20th, or uh, December 22nd. Wait, what did I say? December, January 22nd, 1989. Mm. I don't know. I'm reading a I'm great reading day, a, a great day for the world as you came into it. Um, I'm going to take Giants Patriots round two. Um, Eli Manning with honestly one of the all time pressure throws to Mario Manningham. That was a freaking dime and a great catch. Um, and the Patriots lost. So it's really a good day all around. And to find, to, I mean, it's really made Eli Manning who. At one point during Eli Manning's career, it was looked like it looked like he was going to go down as kind of a bust. Um, made his so Asante Samuel. I th- um, I can't. Or was remember. that Wes Walker? Or did they both in that game? I can't remember. I just remember the Ahmad Bradshaw like go down, yeah, go the down. Ahmad Bradshaw go down, go down. The, like oh the butt, and he and he tried to get down. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to take that pick for you, and I was going to wax poetic about that that Eli Manning throw, which is an absolutely elite throw. Freaking unbelievable throw. Just an unbelievable pitch and catch. I I watched it. It was on Twitter the other day, like maybe Saturday or whatever, because it was the anniversary of it. Um, That's the best part about like the first and second week in February. Every day is like the anniversary of a Super Bowl. So on Twitter, you just have all the highlights. And like listening to Collinsworth like gush over that throw is awesome because again it's a, it's an unreal throw. Him and Michaels were just like, I think Collinsworth says like if, if this is a catch and I think it is like this is one of the best throws I've ever seen in my life, and it is like right on the sideline, sandwiched in between two guys. This is and like Mario Manningham of all people, like he was a fine receiver. He was okay. That, I mean that catches that catches his career. Final pick. Yep. I'm going to take Super Bowl seven. It's the one that, that where Miami finishes off the undefeated season. Uh, it was kind of a sloppy game, not a lot of great offense, but the highlight is your Washington football team botching a field goal attempt and the holder just absolutely vomiting all over himself trying to recover the fumble. And I believe it was returned for a touchdown. If you haven't seen that highlight, you should go find it. That guy would have been dragged on the internet in 2022. <laughs> oh, the undefeated season. Pop the champagne. Somebody needs to go undefeated. Just, I guess I'll eat. Well, it doesn't really matter. It used to be. I hated every year the pop champagne, but now those guys are just sort of so far in the back view. Um, Super Bowls. There you have it. RDT takes Steelers Cardinals. Um. Seattle, New England, Falcons, Patriots. I didn't go with these by number because I don't think people are just going to know. Can you give us the Roman uh, numerals? <laughs> I was going to do that, and then I just stopped writing them down because I just wasn't obnoxious. Uh, Patriots, Panthers, and San Francisco, Cincinnati on his day of birth. I took Ravens, Giants. 
Eagles, Patriots, Rams, Titans, Broncos, Packers, and Giants, Patriots, round two. Banks took um, Ravens, 49ers, Giants, Patriots, round one. Bills, Giants, the Norwood kick, Super Bowl three, Jets, Brits, Colts, and the Redskins and the Dolphins. No, excuse me, the Commanders and the Dolphins. Um, and Super Bowl eight. So there you have it. Hopefully it's another good one this, this weekend. We shall see. Who you got? Who you guys taking? And then we'll go into the Nick Cannon Medley. What's the pick? I've got the Rams in a close one. I've, I've actually got the Bengals plus four, though. Okay. I think Rams win. Um, I wouldn't, I don't, I wouldn't care seeing the Bengals win. Like, I, I think I, I like Joe Burrow a lot. Like, I, I think they're a very likable team, too with chase and, and some of the other guys they've got. Um, I just, I hope we, last time we were promised to shoot out like this was the, uh, the, the Rams, um, Rams Patriots. And we got that 13 to three. Boy, was that game bad. That would have been high in the worst Super Bowls ever. Yeah. That game what was the over under for that game? Wasn't it like, it was like 50, 55, or it was like, it was it high. Was I high. Think. And it was like it was so was it tough. three three at halftime or something like that, and it was just that was so bad. The vibe on Twitter was everyone was like, "Fuck!" It wasn't game. even like, just like they couldn't get the ball past each other's fifty. Like it yeah. was just a fun fest. It was just teams throwing up on each other. It was bad. Oh. So I I, I kind of and even like last year's game sucked. Like people don't remember that last year's game was awful. Not a good so, game. Really, really I, bad game. I I I just I want a good game, and like I know it's cheesy to say, but. I, I think the Rams win. I I kind of hope the Bengals win. I just want I hope both teams have fun. We'll we'll say that. I hope the Rams win. I I kind of think I I think Joe Burrow can really put himself down here as like a generational winning guy. And yeah, I for sure. Just have a feel. I have a feeling that's going to happen. I the just, Twitter that, streets. That is how I feel right now. The Twitter I can't streets, have the that happen. Like I just can't, in good conscience, like support that. Even though obviously Joe Burrow is a likable guy. I you know whatever. But, um, you, you know, there's always that chance, like, if the Bengals lose this game, there's always – there's constantly these teams that are Super Bowl losing teams that, like, arrive maybe or they just catch lightning in a bottle and it's like they're one shot at it and you think that they're set up for, for very long-term success and they're going to be back and then it just never happens again. There's some potential there for this to happen with the Bengals. Who's the Especially most like recent example of that? The, the Cam Panthers? You could you could say the Cam Panthers. I'm trying yeah. to think of another candidate. I mean, the lightning in a bottle was, was the Falcons that year. Yeah. But I don't know I mean, if people it, thought that was going to happen year after year. I'm trying to think of like a younger Right. There's just I kind of went with two different like variations of what I'm talking about. But not that it was that young in his career. What about Rodgers? I was gonna say Rogers is the other one because people were like, "Well, they're gonna go back every year. Rogers is the best. They have I mean, they play Matthews and they have blah 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 blah, and they just never come back." Yeah, and it was it was kind of assumed like, "Oh yeah, the Packers are by far the best team in the NFC." I remember a specific quote on like the ESPN post game, and it was like, "Well, this is the potential." And I know this happens a lot after teams win championships. It's like this is the potential start of a, of a dynasty. You know who comes to actually what team comes to mind Jeez. that never won a championship? Uh-huh. No, another sport. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder with Durant, Westbrook, and Harden. Yeah, was like oh, they'll go back and they'll. Uh, this is just remember that famous like shot of all of them like together on the bench. It was like oh they'll be back. 
Ever want to I guy. think and it, mid to late nineties Indians, I think of the Indians in like oh seven, six? maybe. Yeah. The yeah, that was the like mid game. The mid size more. Yeah, just like ones with like mid nineties magic. Like I'm trying to think of ones that were sort of led by young players. It seems like this one is very not that they don't have experienced guys, but you know, you think of Chase and Burrow and Higgins and even Mixon is not like, you know, a season, season, season bet. Um, it's also like they're just so damn young. It's almost like they don't even know that they're not supposed to be here. So it's like, oh, I love that take. That's one of yeah, the like that's the big time. like they yeah. just they're just you know they can't they don't even get it. They, they, you know they they don't they're they're too naive to even. They're just a bunch that. of kids in the backyard the having they're just football. out there having a good time. They're just that out there having such a, a good time. such a Jordan Spieth uh, narrative. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I heard a great <laughs> on the Olympics this morning. Uh, a German loser won a gold medal for the third trade time. This is always a big golf um, take that people give. She just like, she just had a son and, and, oh, and my God. Like, oh, the perspective is this great perspective. She just has such good. She's already won a freaking gold medal twice. She didn't need the perspective of having a kid. Or like she's Jordan really speed falling short this week, uh, trying to get his first win as a father. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yep. You just you're staying up a little place. later now. You're staying up a little later now. You know, you really have to figure out how to manage that. Oh, so good. I started laughing when I heard the announcer say it. I was like, oh, God, she's just really all about family now, but she's come back with a renewed perspective. It's like tremendous. <laughs> you already won two of these things. Now she's won three. Um, all right. Nick Cannon, Bradley, Maryland, person of the week. Already two. Um, I'm going to go. We'll go. We'll go. Adam Jones. Oh, Adam Jones. 14 years ago today, February 8th, the Mariners got fleeced in a trade. I know we talked about it, I think, in our obviously in our Orioles trade, uh, Mount Rushmore, but brought back Chris Tillman, um, George Sherrill, who had an all-star year, flat brim wearer. Um, but again, Chris Tillman, was the, Chris Tillman and Adam Jones are the big ones. Um, just an absolute, again, robbery of a deal for Eric Bedard. Who I I don't think we had Jeremy tell the story when he was on Jeremy Khan. Jeremy Khan hates Eric Bedard more than he hates anyone. Like he's just such a big prick, he says. And I I tend to believe it. Um, so I think that trade turned out pretty well. They got arguably a top, I don't know, six or seven player in, in franchise history. And the guy who, I mean, he was he was what he was just an absolute monster for those Orioles teams that were that were very, very good. So Happy, happy anniversary. It's crazy that it was 14 years ago, too. That just shows like how old we, we really are getting. Adam Jones. Adam Jones not somehow getting on the Olympic team was unfortunate. That would have been fun. Yeah, and like, yeah, I mean, the catch with the, you know, in the World Baseball Classic is an all-time God, World that gets put on Twitter moment. every three months now, pretty much. I can't, I can't wait like, for the anniversary, it's though. It's like, so good. It was on Twitter the other day. <laughs> yep. I, I ha, like, I have a picture framed in my basement of that catch, and it's just like, it's it's such an awesome play. Thanks. Um, I'll let you have what I think you want to take. Um, I'm going to take Dick Cass. You kind of glazed over it. I don't think you even mentioned it on the front end of the show. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, we talked about that. Dickie yeah. Boy. We talked, we talked about, about him, it before well, pre-show. We talked about it pre-show. Yeah. Is that um, you guys? I mean, yeah. especially Eric. Oh yeah, no one would know his name if it wasn't his name. Like, probably right. You're probably right about that. But um, I, I think that there's a conception that um, like general managers handle a lot more than they handle, and then other positions and front offices handle other things. 
and it may vary from organization to organization, but um, this guy really ran the Ravens outside of the product on the field. So you're talking about the stadium, you're talking about like branding, you're talking about staffing, you're talking about building facilities, like doing all these things that build into the way that the Ravens culture is. This guy ran it and he was the head of it. You know, Steve Ashotti more and more was been hands off and he was pretty much his first hire when he became the majority owner in 2004, I want to say. Um, so they were giving him a lot of rightful send-offs. Uh, he's actually not finished. He, he'll be finished April 1st, but um, the guy the guy is built a tremendous franchise into what it is. He, he, there was a great foundation that Art Modell and his team laid out there, and then to Cass and Steve Bashotti with, you know, Steve Bashotti's blessing went out and took it to the next step. And so, you know, kudos to Dick Cass and uh, happy retirement. Did, did you real quick, did you see the post that Sarah Elson had about, well, I, I'm on her page now. She has two really good posts. One is the video of the sideline from the Lions game with yeah. Tucker hitting the long, the long field goal. Mark Andrews sitting on the bench. Well, yeah, and it's Dick Cass in front of him, just kind of like celebrating by himself, jumping up and down. But she has another post four days ago where she talks about how Dick Cass changed the trajectory of her life. She was pregnant with her first child, wanted to focus on motherhood, and she said she couldn't give the Ravens the time necessary to continue in her role. So she basically went to the Ravens and said she was quitting because she didn't have enough time to be a mother and work and work this job. Um said she and it was during the lock or was it the lockout was coming and all that stuff um mm-hmm. i told her i'd love to keep working wanted to be part-time and mostly from home she said her boss liked the idea but they didn't know if dick would approve of it so it was pre-zoom blah 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 there was all that there was no setup to like work from home really and she said they went to dick cast with the idea and his reply was i like the idea of young mothers working at the ravens he saw time and time again young mothers leave um and he was willing to come up with an alternative work schedule to change that trend. She was able to work for the Ravens for 13 years. Thanks to him. Um, and she goes during that time, I never saw Dick angry, lose his patience. He was approachable. His door was always open. So it's kind of like a cool story where again, in football, you don't really, you wouldn't like think to see a guy in his position be like, yeah, yeah you hear so many mothers. slimy stories. All oh, the time. I, everything that you hear about a team president. And again, especially female is like, Oh, this guy's a scumbag. And, you know, whatever, but it's like, that's, that's totally, that just fits the brand that the Ravens are is like, again, you've talked about it all the time. The Raven, like play like a Raven, the, the, just the way that the Ravens handle business off the field. Like that story right there is like, Oh, that seems a hundred percent just who Dick Cass was as a person. So. Yep. Yeah. Great. Shout out to, we thank him for his service. The Ravens. Yeah. Great anecdote. Yeah. That, that was a great story. I also saw that on Twitter. Who did you think? What did you think I was going to take? Out of curiosity, we'll see if you you're got taking anything. two friends. I, oh, I, I, I was going to take two friends at the top. We talked about it at the top. I think you and I can jointly take them. We, we kind of touched them on their end. They were tremendous and continue to be great. I, I, I will take this for three consecutive weeks. I'm taking the Olympics. I just love the Olympics. I, I can't get over how good the Olympics are. I, pe- people are like down on the Olympics right now. I, there's, there's a lot of people that are, that are kind of down on it. It's still great. I don't know. I'll take specifically the Olympic music. The John Williams scored music, the Bulger Dream, and did like some of the heroes. I mean, that sure. just gets your that gets your blood going every single week. John Williams. We can talk about this. Day. Yeah. 
we can talk about this a little bit. The IOC is to blame for all this going down, which of course the IOC, yikes. Agreed. But you cannot, Agreed. you Agreed. cannot award so many consecutive Olympics to time, you know, time zones away. Like you have to vary the time zones because you're getting what's happening is you're getting like an entire generation of people who just don't give a shit about the Olympics because they're just not on live. And this is such a you know, now, now, now environment that we live in. That's just today's day and age. And, and just you have all these kids growing up that are just not going to give a rat's ass about the Olympics because they're just not on when they, when they want it on. Yeah. And the rea- the reality of the changing media landscape to the fact that everything we watch is always on live and you can get information. <laughs> I talk about the internet. You get information so quickly, like the way the Olympics used to be done broadcast tv was you didn't see anything even back in like 2000 or 2004 when it was still like kind of sketchy to get results you would just wait till it was all on on the primetime broadcast and everyone just watched at the same time now they can't do that anymore because people are not sitting around and being like oh i'm gonna make sure i don't get spoiled before i watch mike Tarico present it to me at you know 9 30 like they just watch it at six in the morning the people that want to watch like psychos like me I'll watch it. And then the other people just see the result and they're, you know, they tune in to see that or they don't tune in to see it. And like you said, the other thing they've messed up is, you know, I do think there is something to like the region, as you said, the regionalism of those picks. And part of that is it's just hard for places to host Olympics. Like it is such a financial burden. You have to get an entire buy-in from a city to host this entire event that totally changes the complexion of a city. And I think there's just less buy into that movement. Like they have put, like you think about it, to that, like 2010 in Vancouver was amazing and 2016 in Rio were great because they're both awesome time zone things. But yeah, as you said, you know, you go 18 in South Korea, you go 20 in Japan, you go 22, at least for an American audience, that's going to be tough to watch. But the Beijing Olympics were electric in 2008, mm-hmm. but partly because Phelps and Bolt are such gigantic stars that they just pulled you along. And now that I think they've lost a little bit of that star power in, you know, Tokyo last summer. And then now this year in, in 2020, I think Nathan Chen will have a nice rating tomorrow when he could be some long pregnant. The problem is it's going to happen at like midnight, which NBC now has to broadcast live. They can't wait till the next day and show it, but you're just not going to be watching. But I'm just an Olympics guy. So it pains me to see the amount of people that are like, fuck the Olympics. But you can also, if you're going to make the point, you can also be like, well, you have Thomas Bach, like the IOC president, being a you know conscious person in, in perpetuating this thing about Peng Shui, the tennis player, which you haven't read about that. Go and read about it because I'm not going into the entire thing here, but like essentially just executing propaganda for the Chinese government. And this is this and the, the jokes about the big air thing are funny right now because they put the venue in a place that looks like Springfield and the Simpsons with the two <laughs> giant like <laughs> nuclear reactors or whatever, nuclear cooling tanks. But Beijing is also a cold place really without snow. Like all of this, it's not a, you don't like think Beijing and think winter. Like they've got like the next one's in Cortina, which is in Italy, which is like a traditional winter Olympics venue. But like Vancouver was sweet. She's like, Oh, it's Vancouver. Like it's a winter, like, like Sochi, Russia and Beijing, like Sochi is just a cold place, but it's a freaking summer <laughs> resort destination in russia it's not a like a winter paradise and then neither is beijing so. when was it in salt lake city too 2002 yeah so, and it's, again it's like that's you, you think snow you think winter, like 
but they just have less and less countries willing to take this on and they've gotten out ahead of it like Paris they got to do some zero-based budgeting here. Paris in 2024 will be electric. It'll be in Paris. It'll be like London in 2012. And then it's in in Los Angeles in 2028. So as long as, you know, they keep marketing these sports and the IOC doesn't just be like, which is amazing because FIFA is just a bad organization, but people keep watching the World Cup at record numbers. But, you know, these are also still niche sports that, you know, you just, if you don't have star power, people don't necessarily watch the big numbers. But I still love the Olympics. You guys have any honorable mentions? Uh, Harold Varner for making that putt from off the green. If you didn't see it, uh, won the Saudi of, international speaking of sports in bad places. Yeah. A uh, little bit problematic there, but uh, far, a far better field at the Saudi international, which is not even on the European tour anymore. It's the Asian tour. Um, bunch of big names went out there as opposed to going to Pebble beach. Um and uh, Harold Varner, who uh, who hasn't won on the PGA Tour, but he has won the Australian Open, um, which is a you know in the scheme of non PGA Tour events, like that's a pretty pretty good win. Um, but anyways, he he won that event with a awesome putt for eagle from off the green from close to 100 feet to you know it was kind of like oh man could he get this up and down to get into the playoff like it's not you know a foregone conclusion he's going to get up and down and he buried it. The celebration was awesome and authentic. And you got to give credit to Bubba Watson too, who's watching like in the kind of the practice area slash like clubhouse area. And he comes sprinting down the ramp and around the corner or whatever, just to go greet him and give him his proper dap for hitting such a big putt. Um, so just like good on Bubba for doing that. And obviously congrats to Harold Varner, who's one of one of golf's great dudes. Um, if you don't know who he is, he's one of the very few African-Americans currently on tour. Um, has been on tour for a bit and he's, he's kind of been scratching the surface of a win here for a while. And hopefully he gets one on the, on the tour itself soon. Good for the game. Good for HB three. Yeah. He's good for the game. He's very good for the game. Like I said, it would have been awesome if he had, he would have been awesome. If he'd done that at Pebble and not at Saudi Arabia in like nine in the morning with nobody watching. Yeah. And <laughs> save one, us from Tom Hoagie, Tom Hoagie at, at Godspeed. And, and it would have, that was just I don't think anyone would have talked about that tournament because, you know, the PGA Tour, and there's all this golf stuff. It was like no one was promoting that tournament because of how, like, weird it is and with the Asian, I don't know. But uh, that moment brought that tournament into the floor. When I don't, if he just won in normal fashion, I don't think anyone would have, like, been talking about it at all. Um, RDT, you have anything? I, I got we, – we go back to them every couple of weeks. And you talked about it at the end of the episode, I think, two weeks ago. Uh, Jimmy's – with their fundraiser for the fallen firefighters and uh, fallen police officer raised $67,000 on over the week. Um, they presented them the check on Sunday. I don't know. I'm trying to look up the exact, the exact um, like charity it went to. It just says to our fallen heroes on the big check. So 67 grand in a couple days is, is something. Um, I know McAfee donated 20 grand himself. So that's a pretty big, uh, Pretty, pretty big check there. So again, good, good for Johnny. Good for Jimmy's for doing a fundraiser like that and getting it out. I know Johnny had a late drove down to uh, North Carolina on Saturday to watch Duke. I think Saturday to watch Duke UNC. Oh yeah. <laughs> did not turn out Didn't in his favor. Well. He had good tickets though. Um, but then turn around on Sunday, had a nice little fundraiser. So just a, a little shout out to them for, uh, and the pictures and videos from those firefighters funerals and everything. And the, the processions were, unreal i don't know if you guys saw any of the 
did the, very yeah yeah, I saw the pictures and videos I saw were just like, oh, that's it was they were tough. They were they were something. So so sad. Uh we managed to get Johnny on at some point to talk to him about his to see what he feels about Hubert Davis. They did have a big win tonight, though. Uh they got back on track. Um I'm gonna take my guy just to continue with the I'm gonna take my guy, the quad king, Nathan Chen. Freaking stud. Got it done on the short program last night. Guy's an absolute legend. The king, the quad king. Got to get it done on the long program tomorrow night. U.S. has still not won a gold medal in the Olympics. Sad. Um, yeah. Yeah. Michaela, the Michaela Schiffer situation has been dominating uh, Twitter the last hour as we've potted here. Um, just not, not unfortunately living up to the, uh, the lofty expectations that were placed on her heading in to these 2022 Olympic Games. Uh, that's enough for this week's episode of the X52 Podcast. What ended up happening with the Caps? Did they win or lose? They lost. Um, there you have All it. Right. Only, only one week till pitchers and catchers report for the Orioles. So, oh boy, yes. we might have to have a full baseball lockout discussion here at some point. Well, Manfred's, um, Manfred's going to speak on Thursday, so that'll go. Okay, that'll give us that'll give us a little ammunition going into next week when there may just be no football to talk about. Um, yeah, we need the Orioles to play. We need more Baltimore sports to talk about. They're not going to play. <laughs> that's one. That's one team off the board, baby. Uh, make sure to follow us on social media. You can follow me at Tenors My Ten. You can follow Banks at Barstool Banks. Follow RDT at E D I T T I twenty two. Uh, follow the podcast at Exit Two Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. All of our friends, uh, Thread Level Midnight for Exit Two merch, Fed Thrill for your sunglasses, and Jimmy Seafood for food, good times, charity work. I mean, I don't. What else can they do? We'll we'll, we'll probably find out in a week, and and we'll put them in the. Uh, We'll put them in the Nick Cannon Medley Maryland personally if they continue to do good work. We will see you next time on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy's Seafood.